Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Amen. Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 17. Uh, Just going to give you a heads up that these two scriptures seem completely opposite to one another, and I will make sense of it as I read both of them, if you'll bear with me. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 says, and this is Jesus talking. Everybody say, this is Jesus talking. It says, now as he was going on the road, he came, or one came, excuse me, one came running and knelt before him, Jesus, and asked him, good teacher. Everybody say, he's more than a teacher. He said, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And so Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. And Jesus said to him, you know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, All these things I have kept from my youth. And then Jesus, looking at him, I love the Lord. Looking at him, loved him. I love the Lord. See, people will describe your faults to you. Jesus just looked at him and he loved him. And he said, one thing you still lack. Go your way. Sell whatever you have and give it to the poor. And you will have a treasure in heaven. And come. Take up your cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. I want you to look at somebody with the kindness of the Lord in your eyes and say this, you're never as far as you think you are. In Mark chapter 14, Mark chapter 14 Verses one through nine says this, after two days it was Passover and the feast of unleavened bread was near and the chief priests and scribes sought how they might take him, Jesus, by trickery and put him to death. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar in the people. And being at Bethany, Bethany means praise. Everybody say praise. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, As he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster, a flask, a very costly oil of spikenard. And then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were someone who were, there were some among them who were indignant and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? Why did they spend so much time in their service on worship? for it might have been sold for more than 100 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. 300 denarii, excuse me. And but Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? For she has done a good work for me. For the poor you have with you always. And whenever you wish, you may do them good 
but me you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done, what this church has done, will be also told as a memorial to her. And all God's people said, amen. You may have your seats. Before I minister God's word and what I believe he's put on my heart, I want to first and foremost apologize. We're trying something a little bit new. I am a bit of a, my speech can be very fast. I have been asked to slow down just a little bit. Um, You ever seen uh, Bruce Lee? They said they had to slow down his movements in the movie because they couldn't see his hands move. And my leadership has told me I talk very fast, and we have some among us who um, are not English-speaking, so I've been asked to tone it down just a little bit, so be patient with me as we are translating now the services. Isn't God good, though? God is adding to our number, and so we're trying to uh, just diversify a little bit, so I do appreciate your patience. So as I'm looking at these two scriptures, they both look diametrically opposing to one another. They look completely different than one another, two completely different experiences. And to the untrained eye, it looks completely opposite of one another. But as you really look at the scriptures, they share much more in common than one might think. Some of the practical things that I I see here will kind of start with the most basic of them all. As far as the differences is one story contains a male and one story contains a female. One is rich and the other is not. The other is rich. The woman who wants to give Jesus, the Bible says, a a year's wage. It's a lot of money. Look at somebody and say, that's a lot of money. Have you ever given your annual income to the church? I mean, it's a lot of money. I mean, when we read over it, you can not really think much of it, but she literally, in some versions, I believe it says she gave all of her livelihood, all that she had. Somebody say, that's a lot. And this other man has everything and wants to give very little. So one is a giver and one not so much. And so even even though both of these stories, they seem completely different, as I look closely at them, I like to talk to the congregation, so forgive me. Look at somebody and say, pay attention. If you look very closely at this scripture, there is one distinct similarity between them both. Both of these individuals, James, both of these individuals wanted to be close to Jesus, but for two different reasons. Both of these individuals wanted to be close to Jesus, but for two different reasons. And I would be confident enough to say that among us, with our spiritual faces, with our hair done right and our nice little part in the middle, and for some of us, a little weave, some of us high heels and dressed up in church and collared shirts and All of us are in here for different reasons. There are some who are here who want to be close to Jesus 
simply because of what he's done for them. Where are all the grateful people at? And there is another set of people who are here who genuinely love Jesus but do not share the same needs. We are close to him because of what he has. I thank you for that one and a half. Amen. I figured that would be the response this morning, but I believe God is saying something this morning. And I have to tell you with my short 20 years of walking with the Lord, I know I don't look that old. Teasing. Dean's laughing at me. I truly ask you to pray for me even during this sermon because this is a difficult sermon to preach because I am in the middle of discovering of what true surrender looks like. And if I think about the perfect will of God, I'm sorry I left you there. Can we just give the worship team a hand? Thank you. I love you. I feel anointed when she prays and plays the... But I believe, I truly believe that God's perfect will, we think about the will of God in the earth. You know, what, what is God's will in the earth today? That's a, that's a fair question with everything going on, with everything that we see in the news, in the media, Facebook shutting down, all of these things. And no, I will not, and I refuse to use this holy pulpit to talk politics. I will not fall into that trap, Facebook. I am a minister of the gospel, and my sole goal is to preach the gospel and preach truth and to see people set free, not to be a politician. But I do believe if we preach the kingdom the right way and raise up people the right way and disciple people the right way, they will influence politics and influence in high places. I wish I could get one or two amens there because God wants to influence the kingdom in every sphere, not just the church. It's been too long where we've played church and we've sat in our church pews and then we go to work and the only thing that uh, labels us as a Christian is either our bumper sticker or on our car or our cross. I believe that the Lord is raising up an end time generation who will not compromise, but will stand up for truth and walk in love while they do it. Amen. And so today I want to minister this message entitled what surrender looks like. I want you to look at someone right now and say, can you teach me what surrender looks like? And I think the Lord is very hilarious in this area because the Jesus that I discovered when I was an older teenage boy, when I was on the streets doing things my way on my terms is not the Jesus I know today. It started off with he was the Jesus who could provide for me, love me, and if I would do good and say yes to him, he would do everything that he could do to make my life what I thought it should look like. Come on, I know there's a couple of y'all blasphemies out there. I certainly used to be one of them, and I have my fits even still. Lord, do something with this church. Bless me, you know. We're all the people, you know. Where's, you know... Where's all the great blessings that you've promised me? I know none of you guys are like that. But as I think about the will of God more and more, and as I've journeyed with the Lord, I found out what he's looking for. He's not looking for perfection. Listen, if you are looking for the perfect church, let me just disappoint you on the front end. 
just so you won't have to visit three times to figure it out. If you hang around me long enough, if you hang around this church long enough, you will see flaws. You will see things that it needs. And I think if you are looking for the perfect church, do the next church a favor and don't go there because there is no church who has perfect people. And you and I will ruin it. We're not perfect people. We're very imperfect. But here's what I believe the Lord is looking for. He's not looking. Catherine Kuhlman said it so beautiful. He's not looking for gold and vessels. He's not looking for silver vessels. He's looking for yielded vessels. He's looking for surrendered vessels. And do you know what we're seeing in America? Although I won't be political this morning, you're seeing, and I believe if you evaluate your life closely and evaluate yourself honestly this morning, including my own life, I'm evaluating that and have been evaluating that this past month in particular. Am I completely surrendered to the Lord? Because the only reason problems start in marriages is because you have a power struggle. The only time that you see issues in a nation is when there's power for control. And I'm not talking about right versus left. I'm not talking about red versus blue. I'm talking about the will of man versus the will of God. Do you see what I'm saying? So this is what we're seeing in the nation. Are we going to turn this Titanic of a ship around and begin to do things God's way? Because we have two choices. I tell my son this all the time. Am I doing okay, Miguel? I tell my son this all the time. You want to do this the easy way or the hard way? You can have your way. You can. And there's going to be consequences. And to tell you that there were not consequences living for Jesus, I would be a lying minister. Because the Bible says that great and wide is the road that leads to destruction. And many, look at somebody say many. Come on, tell them with conviction. Many, many go in by it. But straight and narrow, tight, difficult, sometimes stressful. But it's worth the reward. You know what Catherine Coleman also said? Oh, help me preach this this morning, Holy Spirit, because some parts of me feel disqualified, yet I believe the Lord has qualified me enough to preach this thing. She said, it costs everything. If you really want to know the price, it'll cost you everything. But I love what she ended it with. But it's worth the cost. It costs to hear God's voice. It costs. It costs friendships. It costs you being called weird. It costs. It'll cost you your Sunday mornings. It costs you throughout the week. It costs waking up 20 minutes earlier so that you don't maybe get enough sleep, but, but, but you hear the Lord. You, you feel grace on your life to live out that day. It'll cost you something. It costs to walk with Jesus. And what I love about Jesus is he never told any of those who were going to follow him that it didn't cost something. So let me save you some time before you give your heart to the Lord at the end of this service. If you decide it'll be the best decision that you've ever made in your life, a better decision than who you've married, a better decision than raising your kids, but I tell you this, it will cost you 
something. Broad is the way that leads to life. And many go in by it. But narrow is the way that leads to life. But here's the thing. Here's the way that God set it up. And Lord, help me preach this message. I feel you, Lord. The life, the only life that finds satisfaction is the surrendered life. Somebody hold up your hands. It's the surrendered life. I was talking to a young man. We did a drive through outreach yesterday. Thank you all for being a part of that. So many amazing testimonies. My mind is thinking about so many different things. One young man got invited. He rode up on his bicycle, and he proceeded to tell me he was just on his bicycle living on the streets, just got out of jail about six months ago. He proceeded to tell me that his father was murdered in a bar fight, and I can relate to that. For those of you who do not know my testimony, I won't go into it, but my dad was also murdered when I was nine years old uh, there in Winter Park just a few minutes from here. And so my heart truly went out to him, and the Lord had me ask him about his father. And it's the first thing that came out of his mouth, and I knew it was the Lord that had me ask him that question. And he did give his life to Jesus, but do you know what he said to me? Yes, he did. And it was genuine. But you know what he said to me? I just, I just want to do things my way. And he genuinely meant it. He said, I just, you know, I want what I want. And here's what I said to him. Are you ready for this, Rick? I said, how's that life working out for you? Oh, the Bible says save some by as if you're pulling them out of the flames and some save with words that are seasoned with salt. This was not a time for me to say, bless you, the Lord keep you and may his face shine upon you and send them down his way. But I felt the conviction of the Lord to let this man know you are headed down a dark road. Somebody say hell is hot. You want to get a little taste of it, just move to Florida for about six months in August. But he gave his heart to Jesus. And the quality, listen to me, it is difficult. The will of God is difficult. It's hard. I have cried many nights, many mornings, and groaned in my heart because God wanted me to do things that I wasn't prepared to do, that I couldn't do in my own strength. But little by little, here's what I love about God. He doesn't ask you for everything all up front. And then I'm finding out in the beginning, I thought he was just a taker. But then I found out, James, he only takes so that he can bless it and give something back that's even better than what he took. And so I started finding out when he takes my will and I learned that his will is better, he brings me down roads that are much more peaceful, knowing that I'm living in the perfect will of God. I have joy knowing that the decisions I'm making are honoring him. Come on, does anybody still want to honor the Lord in their lifestyle? And so I'm learning that he's only taken because he wants to give. And most importantly, he only takes because he wants to make more room for himself in that person's life and in your life. So if you feel that the Lord is taking something from you today, this morning, for some of you, it might be a job. For some of you, you might have an estranged child, grown child. Some of you, you may feel that your health is being taken away. And let me just tell you, God doesn't take health, but I will say this, that he works all things together. Yeah for our good in his glory in every circumstance, and there is no question about it.
But he will allow weaknesses to pop up in our life, not to deter us or detract us from him, but to draw near to him for answers and for strength. It's a blessing in disguise. Look at somebody and say, that weakness that you have is a blessing in disguise. And now I want you to say this, surrender. Surrender. Why do you think the devil fights you so hard about that addiction? That pornography problem. Is there any children in here? I've got to scan the room really quick. I'm going to go into it. Somebody say preach. That nicotine addiction, that alcohol addiction. Why do you think the enemy fights you so hard? It's not because, not just because he doesn't like you, but because the more that you give up, the more room you make for Jesus and the more of his character gets infused in your life. And that's what makes the successful life. Not about accomplishing and building a business or building a church. God forbid. It's all about Jesus ruling and reigning in your life and you becoming the son and the daughter that he's called you to be. Why? So that he could expand the kingdom here on as it is in You got it. That's his will. But it takes waving the white flag and surrendering him. There is somebody in here this morning. I feel it right now by the Holy Spirit. There's somebody in here who is striving to connect with a relationship. And it's out of God's timing. Surrender that. There's somebody in here who's been striving to start your own business. Come up with all these ideas. And yes, as God has given you all these amazing, creative ideas, many of us, he's made that way. But you want to know when God starts to bless a thing? When you surrender it. You know, when people started coming to the church, is when I surrender and continuing to surrender at the thought that effectiveness is not based on how many people show up. You know what effectiveness is? You know what success for me is? When you see his presence in here, That's success. Because when he comes, that means he's well pleased. Because I have been in churches where there's smoke and lights and they have to reduplicate what the glory looks like. Why? Because the glory has left the building. Oh, I'm preaching good this morning. I know some of you guys don't like saying that kind of stuff. And the only person who is useful to the enemy is the one who is not surrendered to Jesus. And the only person who is useful to the Lord is the one who is fully surrendered. Did you hear that? That's almost worth writing down. The one who is useful to the enemy is the one who is not fully surrendered. And yet the one who is only useful for Jesus is the one who is fully, completely surrendered. And so first... And foremost, I want to tell you this. True surrender doesn't count costs. I want you to think about these two stories that seem contrastingly different. Can I say it that way? They look like two different in contrast. This lady who came to Jesus broke open an alabaster box of very fragrant oil. And I could go into the historically how they developed that fragrant oil, but it was a year's wage, 300 denarii. It's like $50,000 a year. And this is what she had. This, is, this was her baby. This was her golden egg. 
But because she loved him so much, she wasn't worried about surrendering anything. And when you, listen, it makes it very easy when you love the Lord to give up anything. And he will bring up, I know, I, I, it's good, give it a minute and it, it'll hit just in a second. But when you, when, you, when you are struggling with giving up something that God, you know he wants you to let go of. And here's the sovereignty of God. He will oftentimes, like if you want to hold on to something, he'll ask you for it. So be careful about what you want to hold on to. And when you want to let go of certain things, he'll ask you to hold on to it. Did you hear what I said? I had prayed for 20 years that my business began to take off. And that's all I wanted. It was my dreams. It was my aspirations. And I still have it. I still do it. I work full-time, for those of you who don't know. And I pastor full-time. So I do both full-time, full-time dad, all that stuff. So my life is very busy, to say the least. And as soon as it hit a mark, Dean, where I wanted to let it go, and I said, I want to do full-time ministry, the Lord said, I want you to hold on to it. I said, but now I'm finally ready. I'm sanctified. He said, yeah, but it would be easy. Broad and wide is the gate that leads to destruction. So oftentimes God will have you hold on to something that you want to let go of, and he'll cause you to let go of some things that you want to hold on to. Why? Because he's concerned with growing you in Christ-like character. I say this all the time. He's wanting to grow us. He's wanting to mature us. He's wanting, when he looks at you, he wants to see his reflection. And this is why people who are stingy, he'll ask to give more. I used to be very stingy, didn't I, mom? She would open my closet and a bunch of money would fall out all the time. She'd freak out because I was a stasher. I was mow grass when I was six years old. Me and my friend, my best friend, Matthew, who's in here, raise your hand if I'm telling the truth, Matthew. We'd go six years old, walking in Pine Hills, seven years old. That's where we grew up, picking up elephant ears, raking yards. And we'd work for $6 a day. And I was a stasher. I was a worker ever since I was just a little tyke. And then, and then as I got older and started getting into church, and this whole giving thing really messed with my mind. What do you mean? You gotta, I got to give? It took me a little while to break open my alabaster box. You know, I'm here to receive. I'm not here to give. But in this room that is represented here this morning, there are those two different types of people who are here to receive, and there's nothing wrong with receiving. But here's the catch. Once you learn that this is a twofold relationship and what you give to the Lord, meaning your love, your affection, your devotion, your surrender, he gives back himself. And it's more than you've ever given up. The presence of the Lord, his blessing is priceless. I want you to read this with me. Somebody say, don't count the cost. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? Look at somebody and say, your worship is not a waste. Your devotion to the Lord is not a waste. Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. People who are not hungry for Jesus will criticize you on how much you pursue the Lord. Why? Because it expresses or excuse me, exposes their apathy. Did you hear what I just said? And you know what I get all the time? All the time. It don't take all that. 
It don't take that lengthy worship. It doesn't take prayer night. You don't have to go to church that much. It don't take the whole alabaster box. You could have just got, what are those droppers called, honey? Syringe, you know, the droppers. You know, why didn't she just grab a few drops and put it on Jesus? Did she have to spend the whole thing? But I told the Lord early on, you can have all of my life if you give me all of your life, and I will spend everything. If it costs me everything to see a revival in this city, I am willing to pay the cost, no matter what it takes. Whatever it takes to get his attention, whatever it takes to get his approval, whatever it takes to host his presence, we are willing to give it. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. You don't have to cut that certain relationship out of your life. You don't have to stop doing this. You don't have to give that much money. You don't have to tithe for the Lord to love you. Of course, he loves you no matter what you give. He will always love you. But if he can't trust you with what's already his, he'll love you, but he may not trust you. And there's a distinct difference. He loves many, but he trusts few. Thank you, Lord. Who's married in here? You will appreciate this. I'm going to describe this to you. I just caught the wind of the Spirit. He whispered this in my ear. If you're in a relationship, how many have ever been in a relationship? Come on. Boyfriend, girlfriend, married. You do not trust a person who is not fully surrendered to you and exclusively you. And the Lord in this hour, he's looking for people. I want to look at each and every one of you in your face, and I want to remind you of this emphatically. Don't look away from me. I see some of y'all looking away from me, breaking eye contact. I see you. He's looking for friends. He's looking for people he can trust. If he cannot trust you, he can't use you. This is why this message is so important. He needs our surrender. He's looking this morning. He's, the Bible says his eyes search to and fro. He's looking at you this morning. And he's looking for the trustworthy ones to use in this hour. So if you've got a struggle behind closed doors that we don't see church at church on Sunday morning, get into his presence. That's what hour-long worship is for, for God to begin to deal with your heart so that you don't have to have that struggle when you get home. You don't need the pastor laying hands on you. You need the Holy Spirit to lay his hand upon you. You don't need just my prayers. You don't need leadership's prayers only. You need the presence of the Lord to get you in a position whereby he can touch you, deliver you, and set you free to make you usable for his kingdom. But can I tell you, he can only set you free based on or to the degree that you surrender to him. Come on, somebody say surrender. Surrender. Say surrender. Hallelujah. When you first start dating, I remember when you and I were dating. By the way, you're cute in that dress this morning. I like those shoes. What is that scripture? It's coming to mind that the bed is undefiled and holy. I remember when we were first dating. 
you know, we'd stay on the phone, you know, late, very late. No, we didn't live together. We did not live together before marriage. No condemnation here. But there's a way to do it right, and there's a way to do it wrong. We did not. And we'd stay up all night. How many ever did that? You know, you're breathing in the phone, falling asleep. Y'all are acting so sanctified in here. You know, 20 years ago when y'all met, you just... Did you experience that, Dean? I can't see Dean staying on the phone that way. He said, I'll see you tomorrow. I got to go to sleep and get up early in the morning. Right? He said, we have the rest of our lives. I remember, you know, sneaking away. You know, I was the boss at my job, so, but I would sneak away from the guy still my, my, my girlfriend at the time. She's my wife. She's still my girlfriend, though, and text her. Any little break that I could get, you know, text her, doing, doing whatever I could. And then we always looked towards Friday because that's the time we can hang out and go have dinner together. And she would dress up, and I would put on my Sunday's best on Friday. And, you, you know, I never, I never would ask, you know, how much, you know, the bill is going to be, like, you know, whether it's an expensive restaurant or not. Now, I'm working on that because now I ask those questions because I got her. You know, I'm just being honest. You know, after you get her, you kind of have to, how much is that? You know? Oh, you don't do that. I've been out with you, Matthew. I know. I know. Will it feed two? Will that meal feed two or three? Just one meal. So you don't, you don't ask when you're in love. Love doesn't ask what it costs. And that's what I love about this woman with this alabaster box in Bethany. Bethany means house of bread. It's the place where Jesus had this oil poured on her. She wasn't counting the cost because love is blind. If you can still see what it's costing you, you are not head over heel for Jesus yet. When you still feel the pain of giving up in life, honey, isn't it all about that? It's all about the Lord seeing because it's not that he needs your stuff. He doesn't need your job. He doesn't need, he doesn't need anything we can really give him, but really what he wants to know is how much of you will you give to me before you stop giving And most of us have a line in the sand. And what I believe that we're in a day and time where lines in the sand are no longer going to do for Jesus. He's looking for yielded, surrendered vessels that fellowship with him, that listen to him, that have, because listen, closeness with the Lord demands surrender and sacrifice. So now when the Lord is asking me to do something, I don't ask these words, how much is that going to cost? I know it's going to cost. But each time I've given something, Matthew, I've gotten more of him. So that's why there's, in every believer, there is no from glory to, there's no mountaintop and valleys. Yes, to some degree, but really we should be in an upward climb. Because the more that you give of yourself, Mahdi, the more he gives of himself to you. There's a divine exchange, and there should be this upward 
It's almost like an ecstasy. You go from glory to glory and from faith to faith. The more you give of you, he gives you a little bit more of himself. The more that he trusts you, the more he gives of his presence. The more that you surrender and say, God, I'm willing to put that away, the more he begins to empower you for service in every aspect of your life. And he turns it around to use you, use it to bless your life. And guess what? Not just your life, but for those around you. Till you come to the place that David came to where he said, my cup runneth over. Somebody say surrender. Is this, is this okay? Can I just have about five more minutes here? Closeness with the Lord demands our surrender, and it demands sacrifice. Remember this. Remember this. Look at somebody and say, remember this. In the Old Testament, when, when lambs and when bulls and goats were being sacrificed, this is Old Testament. This is B.C., before Christ. This is how they worship God and how they got him to how his presence would show up. It was based on the level of sacrifice, Rick. You know that. If it was a spotted lamb and they cut the lamb's throat and put it on the altar, the presence of the Lord would not come. Does everybody understand that? He wanted spotless lambs. And it wasn't about he didn't like the way that the spots looked. The, the spotted lambs cost less. They were sold for much less. You could eat them, but you couldn't sell them. They couldn't produce. They would only produce other spotted lambs. And so the reason God's presence would show up with sacrifice, it would, it would, be, it would be dependent upon how, how much of a sacrifice would this be. You know why many of us, and I talk to myself because I'm, I'm not there yet, but I'm going towards that direction. Will you come with me? There are certain things that I didn't want to let go, but as soon as I start letting go, God's presence begins to fill every aspect of my life. So it's not that he wants your lamb or your baby, your business, whatever it is. It's not that he wants those things. He just wants to be able to permeate your life with his presence, but oftentimes it's dependent upon how much of a sacrifice you make to him. A sacrifice. Do you know why that young rich ruler, the young rich ruler, he was only willing to bow based on the return he got? Did you hear what I just said? Oh, let me read it, Lord. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running. Everybody say, he came running. Another one of the versions, which is not in Mark, I believe it might be in uh, Matthew, it may be in Luke, I'm not quite sure. But it doesn't just say that he came out on the road and came running and knelt before him. Of course, that's what it says. Can you put Mark chapter 10, verse 17 up on the screen? Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running and knelt before him. Another version says this. Are you ready? Bowed down and worshiped him. So he worshiped him, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life. Now, everything was good. He came running. He was emphatic. He was passionate about Jesus. It says that in other versions, he bowed down and worshiped him, means he was offering worship to him. He understood that Jesus was a man of authority. Jesus had the answers to his life's prayers and needs. Now, watch this. But I can almost visualize this young man getting up and dusting his knees off after Jesus required something from him. 
Because you do know why he was worshiping? Do you know why he was bowing? Do you know why he ran? He bowed based on the return that he thought he would get. I'm gonna let it sink in for just a moment. Many of us only bow to the degree that God will give back to us. Many people only render based on return. Oh, that's, I feel like sitting down and just listening to this all over again myself. Most people render based on return. Oh, I'll put this away if you do this. I'll sing on the worship team if you give me an album. I'll tithe if you give me a business. Oh, and then when you get the business, you stop tithing. I'll come to church if you heal my daughter. I'll come to church if there's more community. Save your sacrifice. Because that is not sacrifice. The only type of worship that Jesus receives is when you anticipate no return. But you love him simply because he is worthy. And as I read the end of book of Revelation, this is not in my notes. As I read the end of the book of Revelation, it says all of heaven is crying with tears. Why are they crying with tears? It's because they're saying they're looking around and no one is found worthy to open the scrolls. None. Everybody has blood on their hands. Everybody's had sin on their hands. But then just to the right of the throne, there has an appearance as to the son of man. And he's like a lamb and he's dressed and he's bright and he's beaming with light. And then they said, we have found one worthy. Can I tell you he's worthy of anything that you deem sacrificial this morning? Anything. He's worthy to, for you to lay down whatever addiction that you have, whatever prideful problems you are dealing with, whatever propensities to sin that you have in your life, whatever issues that you have that we cannot see beyond your collared shirts and your high heels. Jesus Christ is worthy of every single sacrifice that you have ever made, that you're currently making, and ever could ever make in your future. He's worthy. He's worthy. He is worthy. Somebody say, he is worthy. Is anybody getting a touch of this this morning? And so oftentimes, the only reason we want to surrender certain things to God is because we're trying to provoke him to surrender something that we want. Isn't it true? Isn't it true? I remember going to church four days a week. Do you know what the reality was? It wasn't just that I was hungry for God, but I believed if I went enough and I prayed enough and I loved him enough, he would see fit to bless me with what I was desiring and praying for. Oh, yes, I feel the Lord pulling the curtains back. The thing is, is he will, though. He, he will, but it's not what we're praying. It's our desires that he looks at. He who has created the eye, can he not see? He who has created the ear, can he not hear? God sees beyond. He knows our reasonings for serving. He knows our reasonings why we hold the door at the church. He knows the reasons. He knows the reasons I started the church. He sees all of that. He knows the reasons that you give. 
He knows, the, he knows the reasons. And God is not after money. He's not after just your services. He's after the heart of the matter. I want to read this, John chapter 6, verse 27. I know this is heavy. I know it is. But I preach this to myself and I live this before I ever declare it to you. Remember that. Remember that. I put a sword through my own soul before I ever preached something like this. Yesterday, I'll tell you this. Yesterday, there was a lady who pulled. I, I, I was, yesterday was a success, meaning people's lives were changed. They were touched. I love people. I, I love people. But I'm still human. My heart gets hurt sometimes. And then it takes about 15 minutes, and I just look at him. I remember this. Remember this. If you have been hurt, your best friends are goodness and mercy. Remember that. If you're a lover of people, your two best friends, yes, your husband can be your best friend. Yes, your wife can be your best friend. You can have good friends here on earth. But there are going to be times when even they will hurt you. And your best friend is goodness and mercy. And if you're going to love people long term and not grow bitter, your best friends, you better have a lot of goodness and mercy. Say amen. So yesterday, there was a car coming through the drive-thru. And this young lady, bright face, middle-aged, 40s, 50s, she was excited to receive food, and I was more excited to give it to her. And I wanted to just fill her car. I could see she was broken and hurting. And I began to put things in her car. And Joseph was helping me, and I believe my wife Stephanie was helping and as I began to look at her, I wanted to try to minister to her. And a wall went up almost immediately. And I can tell, as a minister, I can I have this ability to read the room. I can look and see if you are drifting. That's why I start to shout when some of your eyes are closed. It's not because I'm excited. I'm trying to wake you up. I'm teasing halfway. I will call your name if you try to sleep. No, I'm kidding. I won't do that. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I would never do that. I will yell loud, though. And so I began to tell her, I, said, I pointed over to the prayer tent and I said, you know, because I have a motive. God knows my motive for giving food out. I have a motive. I might as well tell the truth. I'm a minister. And my motive is only this, to have the chance to pray for somebody, to have a chance for Jesus to reach them. And if it takes food or whatever it takes, if it takes items, that's what God will use anything. Jesus did it. He gave five loaves and two fish, and 5,000 people showed up, and he preached. Did you catch it? He brought the food, fed 5,000 people, and he preached. So certainly, there's motive behind that. But as this lady comes through, she's looking at me, and I say, I want you to see that tent right there. I want you to pull over this is the exchange. This is what I need you to do for me in exchange for this food. I'm not asking you to pay for it, but just let us pray for you. Any needs that you have. And as soon as I started saying that, she started looking above my head and she just started yesing me to death. She started yesing me and I tried to minister. I knew there was a wall. I was thinking, she's not gonna stop. She's not gonna stop for prayer. And I knew there was something there that needed to be broken. And she just, yes, yes, yes. As soon as I closed the door, she whips off around that prayer tent and she's off on her way. And this scripture hit me like a ton of bricks this morning. John chapter six, verse 27. 
It says, do not labor, and this is Jesus talking. Say it's Jesus talking. Do not labor for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. I love how the Passion Translation so eloquently describes it. It says it like this. Why do you strive for food? Now, you may be judging that woman like I did just for a split second yesterday. But let me tell you this. This represents many of us. When we come in here, we're not asking for food, but maybe we're asking for a blessing or spiritual food. Is there anything wrong with that? No. But do not labor. Even blessings end up perishing. But a relationship with Jesus... It never perishes. So let me just read this one more time. Why would you strive for food that is perishable and not be passionate to seek the food of eternal life, which never spoils? Look at somebody and say, your relationship with Jesus never grows mold. If it's growing mold this morning, it's not Jesus' fault. It never spoils I, the Son of Man, Jesus, am ready to give you what matters most for God the Father has destined me for this purpose. Amen. The worst thing for a believer is not to live in sin. I know you thought that. Haven't you? It's not. It's to think that you are fully surrendered to the Lord and not be. It's to know the lingo. It's to wear the bumper sticker. It's to have the necklace. It's to shatakarabana and be able to do all of that and not feel him in your life. It's to come on Sunday and experience him and not experience him for the rest of the week. It's to give him your Sunday, but he can have your Sunday, but not have you. Did you, did you know that? He can, he can have your Sunday, but not have you. But others have got the revelation, and I pray that we all get this, because this is God's desire for us. I'm not cutting you. I'm cutting you because we want to bleed out the, 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 the stuff that God doesn't want inside there. He wants to allow us to bleed out the motive so he can suture us back up, so we can he be healed from this cancerous Christianity of selfishness that us Americans have developed. It's time. It's time for the real, authentic gospel. It's time for authenticity. I'm done pretending I want the real thing. Anybody want the real thing? And others have got the revelation. They sacrifice because it brings them closer to Jesus. So we don't give to get things. We want... When we give, we get him. And when we get him, 
when we get him. Seek first the kingdom. Stand to your feet. Seek first the kingdom and all of its righteousness. How many things? All these things. Other things will be added. You get him, you get the rest. Now, don't go complaining on me. I know I went over this morning, but you didn't care about that when you was out there B.C., I remember partying all night, and I never complained. Why y'all going to drink all night for three hours straight? This is a different drink. This is called the new wine. New wine, meaning a new relationship with him, something real, something authentic. In a truly surrendered life, there will be, I want you to remember this, if you remember anything else I said today, remember this. Will you remember this? A true surrendered life will have true satisfaction. And I have a question to ask this morning, Rick. Are you truly satisfied? I mean truly. The Bible says complete in him. Does it say that? complete in him and if you don't feel complete I have a hunch that it's not due to the Lord I, I, I got a hunch that it's due to a lack of surrender in some area some form some fashion giving up is difficult but this is the question you have to ask yourself the young rich ruler had to ask himself is he good or is he God good teacher did you catch it good teacher what must I do to inherit eternal life and Jesus said why do you call me good why do you call me good no one is good but one that is God Jesus is trying to show him something and he's not listening so first of all the reason the young rich ruler didn't give up everything is because he only thought he only looked at Jesus as good not God it's easy to surrender anything when you really recognize who he is Chris anything I know a lot of good things I've had a good steak have good friends but good isn't wor worthy of giving everything but Jesus is not just good he's God the savior of the world man's answer and woman's answer for every life need healing. He's not just good. He's God. He's an answer to your healing. He's the answer to your deliverance. He's an answer to your peace, your joy, fulfillment, everything. The church cannot be the answer, Maria. It will never be. 
only He is. And when we recognize that Jesus is Lord of all, it makes letting go of those trivial things easier because you know everything belongs to Him. He's God and He owns everything. Cattle on a thousand hills. He flung the moon and the stars and their galaxy. And not only that, he named them all by name. He's God. And he's worthy of anything that we could ever offer him. You know what else he owns? Not just the galaxies. Not just the stars and the moon. He owns us, so why would we hold back? Why would we withhold what rightly belongs to him? And you say, preacher... Where is that in Scripture? Well, 1 Corinthians, I feel, describes it so eloquently in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, and you are not your own? You're not your own. Dean, you almost took my message earlier, and we're going to go into a time of worship because I believe the Lord wants to touch some people. If you have to go after this, by all means, I wouldn't if I were you, but if you have to go, I will release you. I want to mention this one scripture. Just move your knee as you're worshiping. Just move your knee as you're worshiping. She knows what I'm talking about. For whoever desires to save his life We'll lose it. Have you been losing? Don't try to save it. That alabaster box of a life that you have is only meant to be spent on one thing, and it's not a career. Did you hear what I said? It's not a friendship. It's not even a marriage. Put that up on the screen. Whoever desires to save his life or her life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for Jesus' sake will find it. That's the answer. That's why many of us are losing at life because we're trying to find it. We're searching in things, in people, in pleasures, in prestige, in position. But whoever desires to save it, if you try to preserve it, if you keep that alabaster box of a life to yourself, you will lose it. You'll stay stressed. You'll stay broken. You'll stay depleted. You'll stay in want. You'll stay in need. But when you take that life and you pour it all on Jesus, you'll save it. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.